Thanks for listening to Lighthouse Baptist Church podcast. Lighthouse Baptist Church is an independent, fundamental Baptist church located in Pleasanton, California. This message was preached live in one of our regular church services. If you find this message a help, please feel free to subscribe. You can find out more about us at our website, lbceastbay.com. Now to the message. Make sure your Bibles are still open there to Mark chapter 4. I'm also going to ask that you find Matthew chapter 5 for a brief look in just a moment. Looking tonight is, how is it? That's what Jesus asked, verse number 40. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? How is it that ye have no faith? Would it be fair for Jesus to ask you that tonight? I know sometimes it would be fair for him to ask me, why is it, how is it that you have no faith? That ought to, I'm sure it hurt their heart, I'm sure it hurt their feelings, I'm sure it brought conviction to them, and it ought to to us also, if Jesus would look at us and says, how is it you have no faith? These disciples, these folks that walked with God, yet he said, you have no faith. The Bible talks about small faith, little faith, growing in faith. But here he told them, he says, you have no faith. Why is that? How is that? Flip back to Matthew chapter 8, very briefly. Here we find the disciples had no faith, but Jesus spoke about one who had great faith. There's a great conflict and great difference between having great faith and no faith. There's a span there that's unquenchable. So the disciples, he said, you have no faith tonight. But we find in Matthew chapter 8, and in verse number 5, we find a brief story about Jesus telling, or God telling us about a man who came to Jesus who had great faith. It says in Matthew 8, verse number 5, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, a soldier, a Roman soldier, over a hundred soldiers, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Boy, it's amazing when God marvels. It's amazing when God says, Wow, that is great. He already knew what was going to happen, but still he said, That is wonderful. That is great. He marveled. And said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. He said, I have not seen such great faith, even among the Jews. So here's a man who had great faith. And yet he was not a Jew. He wasn't even one of God's people. But he said, he has great faith. As far as we know, he didn't spend much time with Jesus. He was a man who had great authority. He was over a hundred soldiers. He had lots of business to conduct. So he did not have a lot of time like the disciples. But Jesus said, here's a man who had great faith. As far as we know, he did not spend a lot of time hearing the teachings of Jesus. Yet Jesus said, here's a man of great faith. And so we find the centurion, just because he believed the word and trusted in the word, Jesus said he had great faith. Now back in our text in Mark chapter 4, we have the disciples who Jesus said, you have no faith. And you think about that contrast, that's well, an amazing thing. The disciples lived with the Lord. They spent time with Him. They, they, they walked with Him every day. They had meals with Him. They slept with Him. No doubt they saw Him get up in the morning and stretch. They probably heard Him sneeze. They heard Him talk. Uh, probably joked around with Him. They had spent all this time. They had seen the miracles. 
In fact, in our text, he had just spent the day teaching about parables and teaching about the kingdom of God. And then he pulled them aside and says, now let me take some time with you. And he began to teach them about the parables. So they had direct time of teaching. They had a direct time of discipleship. They had a direct time of just fellowship with him. And yet we find that those that had all those benefits, he said, you have no faith. They and us are so privileged. We are privileged beyond measure to know the Lord. We are privileged beyond measure to hear his teaching. We've got the book. When they had the Old Testament, those disciples, they had the Old Testament. They heard him speaking, but they did not have the complete word of God like we have. And yet they, we have the word of God. The complete, infallible, inerrant word of God that God teaches us. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have... Uh, preaching in churches we have our own bibles we have everybody has multiple bibles you have it on your phone you have it on your computer you have it on your nightstand you have it in, probably in your trunk but we have the bibles and we have preaching on the radio and preaching on the internet and preaching uh, throughout i mean you can sit and listen to the preaching all the time and hear the teaching of the word of god all the time we have commentaries upon commentaries where men and women have taken the word of god and tried to lay it out for us let me warn you, as usual, be careful about commentaries. That's just what man thinks. Always let the Bible interpret itself. Always, amen. amen. Always let the Bible interpret itself. But we have preaching and teaching and, and churches and the Bible. And we have all these things and all the teaching. If you've been saved very long, you've been involved in Bible study, involved in studying the Bible and hearing the preaching and learning about all the things of God. And yet, I'm afraid many times, God would say to us, how is it? How is it, Lighthouse Baptist Church? How is it, Bill Bryson? How is it, Christian, with all the preaching and with all the teaching and with all the radio and with all the commentaries and with all the Bibles, yet you have no faith? Wow. Looking at the passage tonight, what is the evidence they had no faith? What is the evidence that Jesus would say, you have no faith? It was not that they had no problems. Oh, they had problems. By the way, you can have problems and still have faith. How many know that? In fact, if you have faith, you'll probably have more problems. But notice what he said in verse number 40. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? Why are you so what class? Fearful. How is it that you have no faith? The evidence in this passage that they had no faith was their fear. What was evident in their lives, what's evident in this passage what God gives us here, that they had no faith was that they were fearful. It was not that they had problems. Listen, anybody that tells you that if you have problems, you don't have enough faith, they don't know their Bible. Well, if you just had enough faith, you wouldn't have problems. If you just had enough faith, you'd have all the money you need. If you just had enough faith, you no, no, they had problems. But I know a lot of people who have a lot of faith who has problems. And Jesus didn't say, you got a problem, you don't have any faith. It wasn't that they were weary. It wasn't even the fact that they seemed to be unsuccessful in the struggles, but they feared. We need to learn not to fear. And the only way to do that is to have faith. 
that confidence, that assurance, believing in God, believing about God, and just believing God. See, that's what faith is, just believing God, taking Him at His word. I think you've got some verses there in the Bible, in your introduction, that helps us understand. We need to learn not to fear. How many, understand, how many have feared this year? My hand's up. We have feared. But God wants us not to fear. We need to come to the place where our faith then overshadows our fear. In Psalm 46, verse number 1, God is our refuge and strength. I'm glad He is. I'm glad it's not the Republicans. I'm glad it's not the Democrats. I'm glad it's not my confidence. I'm glad it's not my finances. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, because He is our refuge, because He is our strength, and because He is our help. If He's not your help, don't count on it. If He's not your refuge, don't count on it. If He's not your strength, don't count on this next phrase. He says, therefore. See, that's why we have to make Him our refuge. We have to make Him our strength. And He has to be our present help in trouble. If we're looking somewhere else and He's not a refuge, don't count on this next part of the verse. It says, therefore, will not we fear. He said, because that, we don't have to fear. We will not fear. Though the earth be removed, California, even though when the earthquakes come, amen, we will not fear. Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. He said, no matter what the mountains do, no matter what the waters do, no matter what the earth does, it says, therefore will not we fear. And then at the end of that, it says, Selah. I've taught you before lots of interpretations of what that word silah means. It is a musical term. It's a, it means a rest. I like what the preacher once said, what it means. It means, think of that. Imagine you get to that place and you pause. It's a rest, like in a music composition. They play it and then they rest. So he gives us something and he says, think of that. Think of that. Pause and rest and think of that. We need to learn not to fear. Making God our refuge and strength and present help. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1, I believe it's there, you know, it's for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Are you listening to me? God has not given us the spirit of fear. Now, we need to be careful. We can, be at, we can, we can study and prepare. But that idea of where panic strikes us, when panic gets, grips our heart, when fear grips our heart, God has not given us the spirit of fear, fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Notice very quickly, He's not given us the spirit of fear. When fear, listen, when fear takes over, when the spirit of fear hits our heart, when the spirit of fear strikes our life, when the spirit of fear attacks us, we lose what God does give us. Notice what it says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. When fear, when I let fear rule my life, when the spirit of fear is working in my life and controlling me, I lose the power of God in my life. I lose God's power working in my life. I quench the Holy Spirit, I grieve the Holy Spirit, and I lose that power. So, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. If I have the spirit of fear, I lose my power. And of love. Listen, when fear takes over my heart, I lose love. I lose my love for God. I lose my love for the brethren. I lose my love for the Word. I just, I'm just panic-stricken. But God says, no, I'm not giving you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How many have ever felt when you got afraid you were going crazy? Oh, my, it's just, you're, you're, your thinking goes sideways and you just go in circles and you don't know what to do and it's just, you're just so fretful. God says, no, that's what happens. He says, but I've not given you that spirit of fear, but instead of power and of love and a sound mind. 
Jesus said to his disciples, you have no faith. How is it you have no faith? Did you ever feel like you had no faith? I mean, you look at your life and how you lashed out at somebody or what decisions you've made or what actions you took. And when you look back at it, you said, if I had any faith, I wouldn't have done that. If I'd had any faith in God and what God promised and what God teaches, I wouldn't have acted that way. I wouldn't have responded to that person who hurt me that way. I wouldn't have treated that person who was not right. If I just had faith in God, if I just had faith, I wouldn't have misstep. If I just had faith, I wouldn't have bailed out on God. If I just had any kind of faith, I wouldn't have, have, have lashed out. Happens that way sometimes in a church. When a church has no faith. In a ministry or in a family. So tonight, let's look at what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, how is it you have no faith? So we can learn about having faith. How we can have faith. How we can get to the place that we have faith and not be to the place where Jesus says, you have no faith. So looking at these disciples, ordinary men, ordinary folks, who, but they've been walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, living with Jesus, going all the time with Jesus, and yet he said, you have no faith. Very quickly, how does that happen? Some very simple thoughts, because it happens to you, and it happens to me the same way. Here we go. Are you with me tonight? Hey, oh, let's don't get to the place where we have no faith. Well, they get to the place where though they had the teaching of the Word of God, they had Jesus as a, as a partner, they had no faith. Very quickly, number one, they forgot they had His presence. They forgot they had His presence. He was there in the boat with them, but they forgot He was there. They acted like He was not there. See, i got news for you. When you're saved, you're never alone. When you're saved and you're born again, you've got the Holy Spirit inside and Christ dwells in us, we are never, ever alone. The psalmist said in Psalm 37, 24, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young. How many here have been young? <laughs> it was a long time ago maybe, but he said, I have been young and now I'm old. He said, I've been around, I've seen it, I've watched, I've been in tune. He said, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. He said, I've been around a long time, but I've never seen the righteous God's people forsaken. I'm glad Jesus said he'll never leave us, nor forsake us. Let me help you with something. I heard a preacher mention this just some time ago, and it's so true. The fact that if we're saved, we're not alone. We're not alone. It's like... If I can say this properly, getting married. Forty-eight plus years ago, when she and I walked into that little church building, when I walked in, I was my own man. I was on my own. If I wanted to, I could have turned around and walked right out. If I wanted to, things could have been different. I was independent, I was footloose and fancy free. A few minutes later, that old preacher said, I now pronounce you man and wife. And guess what? After that, I was really never, ever alone again. We may have been separated while I was in the Navy. I was on the submarine somewhere in the North Atlantic. She was back in South Carolina. But still, I was never 
alone. There was something new. There was a new existence. The two had become one. And though no matter what happened, no matter where I was, no matter where she was, whether we were physically in, a, in, a, in agreement in the same place at the same time or separated by thousands of miles, yet I was never really alone. I had something new to think about. I had something new to look at the world with. Something new that affected me. Something new that controlled me. So it is when we get saved and the Holy Spirit comes inside, we are never alone again. They seem to have forgotten that Jesus was with him. I want you to notice a very interesting phrase. I was looking at it as God laid it out there. It says Oh, it helps me get in the right place. It says in verse 35 And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass on the other side. And when they had sent them, when he had sent them away, the multitude they took him even as he was in the ship. It didn't say they took him because they said, Jesus, come get in the ship. It was like, they, well, we're leaving. Guess what? He happens to be in the ship also. Just happened to be there. They seemed to have forgot he was there. But when, he, when you're saved, he's always there. You're never alone. Even when it seems like he's not there. Have you ever felt like Jesus wasn't there? Boy, it happens. Sometimes we say, I just don't understand. It just doesn't feel like Jesus is here. But he is still there. In the case here, the disciples, he was asleep. It had been one thing if the storm was going and Jesus stood up and said, All right, fellas, make sure you've got that sail tight. Oh, better be bailing out over here. You guys better row over there. I'm still here. Do this, do this. But he wasn't there. He wasn't calling. He wasn't patting them on the back. He says, Boy, you guys are good sailors. He was asleep. He was silent. He was quiet. Yet he was there. They forgot he was there. They were living like he wasn't there. I love this passage in Job, and I've preached it so many times. Job says, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, he said, I know he's working, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. He said, I'm looking, I can't see him, I know he's working, but I can't see his doing. I look at my, he's hiding himself, I just can't find him anywhere around. But he goes on, but he knoweth the way that I take. When I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. He says, I can't see him, but I know he's there. I can't see him, but he's with me. I can't see him, but he's still working and controlling. I'm glad that we can always know he is there. They forgot they had his presence in the boat. They were fighting and working all by themselves when Jesus was there. So he is there. How many believe he's with you tonight? Well, then let's have faith. But he said, you, why, he, they woke him up and said, you don't care about us and look here. And he said, why is it you have? How is it you have no faith? Don't forget, he's with you. Don't forget, he's there. You're not alone. They forgot his presence, number two. They forgot the person he is. They forgot the person that he is. Verse 41. At the end of this, it says, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, now, these are men that walked with Jesus all the time. These are ones that ate with Jesus all the time. These are the ones that would wake up and there he is. They would uh, spend time with him. They said, one to another, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. What manner of man? What kind of man is this? What kind of person is this? How often we forget. What kind of person Jesus is. We forget what he's like. We forget who he is. 
Unfortunately, I think many Christians don't know who He is. They don't know. They've not spent the time with Him. They've not studied His Word. They've not walked with Him. But these disciples had. And by spending time with Him, it proved it. They forgot what kind of person He is. Very quickly, they doubted His care. They doubted His care. Look at verse 38. And He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake Him and say unto Him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? They doubted His care. They thought Jesus did not care. They says, don't you care? Look, we've been fighting, we've been struggling, we're dying here. We're about, it's about all over. Don't you care? 1 Peter 5, verse number 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He, what class? Careth for you. Oh, we sing a song many times around, around here. Does Jesus care? Does Jesus care? And the chorus says, Oh, yes, He cares. I'm glad He cares. My goodness. They, they, they didn't think He cared. They said, Don't you care that we're dying? When we get to that place where we think Jesus doesn't care, our faith is gone. Our faith is waned. Our faith is, Jesus would look at us and say, how is it you don't have any faith? The psalmist said in 142, verse number 4, I looked in my right hand and behold, there was no man that would know me. He said, I looked in my right hand and there was nobody that would care. Nobody would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared my soul. I cried unto the Lord, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the hand of the living. Boy, there's a lesson for you. He said, I looked around and I said, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cares for my soul. I got news for you. Men will let you down. The world will let you down. You hold on to some other refuge. He said, I couldn't find any place for refuge. I couldn't find any place for safety. He said, and no man seemed to care for my soul. But I like what he said. I cried in the Lord and said, Thou art my refuge. I'm glad Jesus is our refuge. You don't have to doubt whether He cares for you. He went to the cross and took hell for you. He took the punishment of sin for you. He's coming back for you. He loves us and He cares for us. Don't get to the place where you doubt that He cares. You say, Preacher, but I got, the doctor said it's cancer. He still cares for you. But the doctor says, it's, it's, I've only got a week to live. He still cares for you. But my boss just fired me. He still cares for you. But you don't understand, my family did this, and my wife did this, or my husband did this, and this church did this, and my life is a mess right now. That's all right. He is my refuge, and He still cares for me. Jesus, no wonder Jesus says, how is it you have no faith? Oh, Jesus, don't you care? He said, of course I care. They doubted His care. Don't doubt His care. But that's the key that you're having no faith when you start doubting, does Jesus care? As the song says, oh yes, He cares. He cares. He cares. They forgot what kind of person He is. They doubted His care. Secondly, they underestimated His power. They underestimated His power. They were, they were amazed. They said in verse 41, What manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? I'm not sure why they woke him up except to ask him if he cares. When they weren't, because they were surprised he controlled the sea. They were surprised when he controlled the wind. They underestimated his power. Jesus has all power. Amen? I said he has all power. He is, listen, he is the creator and sustainer of the entire universe. 
He is the creator and sustainer. I believe it's in your notes, Colossians 1.16. For by Him, that's Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things. So He made everything. That wind and the storm and the sea and the earth, you look at all the galaxies, He made it all. You look down in the microscope to the little amoebas, you look down inside the little atoms, He made it all. They underestimated His power. They were with the Creator of the universe. But not just the Creator, but the Sustainer. Because that verse goes on. And we're created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Everything holds together because of Him. Everything's still bound together because of Him. He makes sure it's, He's sustaining it. He's controlling it. He said, what? No wonder. He says, how is it you have no faith? They underestimated His power. Here's an amazing thing. I'm glad he has all power. Look at verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind. Oh, there was a great storm of wind. Not a little storm. Not just a little rain, but a great storm. And it arose. The storm arose. Have you ever been in a place in your life where the storms start arising? Oh, it begins to build. It begins to get worse. And it begins to get worse. A great storm arose. But guess what? In verse 39, a greater Savior arose. Amen? Verse 39, And He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I'm glad that though a storm arose, a greater Savior arose. Amen? Regardless of the storm, whatever storm arises in your life, i got somebody greater that arises in our lives. No matter how the enemy arises and how big the enemy is that arises, I have a Savior that is greater and more powerful that arises. I'm glad that I do not have to underestimate His power. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's got all power. So let's have all faith. Amen. Let's don't live to the place where we have no faith. You say, preacher, that's wonderful in a story, but my life is different. My problem is bigger. It may be bigger than mine, but it's not bigger than Jesus. Amen. Oh, they underestimated his power. How is it you have no faith? Jesus often tests our faith through circumstances. That's the kind of person he is who tests our faith. He tests our faith. In John 6, verse number 5, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus may have put them right in the storm just to see what they'd do. Just to see what they would do. So when you're in the storms and in the trials, let's check our faith. Let's check our faith. Let's don't forget what kind of person He is. Let's don't doubt His care. Let's don't underestimate His power. They forgot His presence. They forgot His person. Very quickly, they forgot they were in the place of God. They forgot they were in the place 
of God. Look back in our text in verse number 35. And the same day when it even was come, he saith unto them, Let, what's the next word? Us. Pass over under the other side. He didn't say, let's push out in the lake and see what happens. He said, let us go to the other side. He said, I'm with you. Let us go to the other side. They forgot they were in the place of God. Since He controls everything, He created everything, and He sustains everything, my safest place in the world to be is in the place of God. I've said that so many times over the last few weeks because we have to remember that. It's being in the place of of God. That is the safest place. Whether you find yourself in a battlefield in Afghanistan, the safest place is in the place of God. If that's where God wants you, that's the safest place. Well, no, I'm going to be safe, but I'll just stay here uh, in Pleasanton. No, you step out and the car runs you over. Lightning strikes people. Meteors kill people. It's an amazing thing, but we've read the stories. People sitting in their living room and a meteor comes through the roof and kills them. Safest place is in the place of God. As Joseph was in the place of God, even though he was in the pit, even though he was sold as a slave, even though he went to prison, he said, I'm in the place of God. The Apostle Paul, in the storms he was in, the place where he was shipwrecked, safest place is where God wants you to be. It's like being, listen, when we're in the place God wants us, it's like being in under an umbrella. Better than that. I grew up, as well as my wife, in central Missouri, Tornado Alley. We'd usually have three, four tornadoes a year. I mean, not just here, but they would come through. We could hear them as they go over. And sometimes the tornado warnings would come, and they'd say, well, one's coming your way. And we have, in those places, we have storm cellars. Storm cellars. Places down in the basement, or sometimes they would build a place out that you would be safe. And so when the tornadoes come, uh, show how crazy we are, most Missourians didn't care. A tornado's coming. Well, wake me up. Something exciting happens, all right? So you just kind of go that way. But there were some that said, boy, I'm apprehensive. And so they would go down to the storm cellar. They would go down, get inside, and it was low. It was usually concrete or cement. It was underneath the ground. And the storm would come through and maybe knock the whole house or blow the whole house over or take the house and move it over. But you are safe in the storm cellar. Hey, Jesus, being in the place of God is being in the storm cellar. The storm may come, I may hear the storm, I may feel the storm, it may shake, the lightning may strike, and I may feel it quake, but I'm in the safest place in the world while I'm in the place of God. That's why you and I have to decide, I'm going to be in the place of God every hour, every day, every week, every year, and it's because as soon as tornado's coming, oh my, I think I'll step outside the storm shadow and over here and get myself a diet Snapple iced tea. You're not protected. He said, this is where I want. So we find they forgot they were in the place of God. He says, you're exactly where you need to be. Very quickly, they forgot the planning of God. They forgot the planning of God. So he said, verse 35, And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. They go through the storm. He says, you have no faith. Chapter 5, verse number 1. And when they came unto the other side, that's where they were going, of the sea, under the country of the Galdeans, Gadrians, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and chains, and he goes on, and we know the story, how Jesus cast out the demon out of him, and he was found sitting with Jesus in his right mind and clothed. 
Jesus said, we got let's go to the other side. Boy, was Jesus surprised when he got to the other side and that demon-possessed man came. Well, was he surprised? Was he surprised? No, he said, that's where I'm going. He said, I've got to go over there because there's a demon-possessed man I'm going to have to save and that we're going to use. He said, I'm going there. And so they, had, they, forgot, they, were the, they forgot the planning of God. He said, let's go to the other side. But they got out in the storm and said, Jesus didn't know what he was doing. He put us out here in the wrong time. He put us out here in the wrong place. He chose the wrong... How many times are we like that? We find ourselves, we're following God's plan, we're following God's way, and all of a sudden problems come, difficulty comes, you lose your job, you lose your health, you got this going on, and we say, well, Jesus didn't know what he was doing. Jesus knew exactly what he's doing. As long as I stay in the place of God, but we forget his planning. God's plan and God's purpose to pass over. If I'm in the place of doing God's will, I'm safe. I need to have faith. Hebrews 11 and 12. All those people that were tortured and sawn asunder. Yet that was passing the baton unto us. That's why Joseph, and again, one of my favorite verses. And I know you probably get tired of hearing my favorite verses. But in Genesis 50, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? After those years of torment, the years of being lied about, sold as a slave, put into prison, now his brothers are standing before him, and Joseph said to them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. They forgot the planning of God. God's got a plan. God's got to work. As I said, sometimes we're just along for the ride. Or God's putting us in a storm to take us to a place we wouldn't go otherwise to use us. Lastly, they forgot to pray until they thought it was too late. They forgot to pray until they thought it was too late. Notice what it says. Verse 37, And there arose a great storm of wind. Great storm began to go, began to rain, began to drizzle. They looked up and saw the clouds. They saw the wind. They began to feel the first drops. Here it comes. No prayer. The storm got stronger. Great storm of wind. No prayer. And the waves beat into the ship. Boy, the waves started smacking the ship and hitting the ship and torturing the ship and breaking the ship. No prayer. So that it was now full. It was now full. They were sinking. The boat was full of water. I imagine at this time, they'd been bailing pretty well. No prayer yet. Then finally, when it was all said and done, the, way, the storm had come, the waves had been beating, the ship was now full, their efforts were done. They, they were done. They said, we've tried. No doubt they bailed as fast as they could. They, they tried to keep the ship afloat as much as they could. Verse 38, And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say, Master, Deliver us from the storm. No. Master, we've been trying, but we need a little extra help. No. Master, carest thou not that we perish? It's done. Wake up and watch us die. It's over. Then they prayed. I don't know if when they saw the storm coming and the rain coming, they, if they just said, Lord, we need some help. He could have said, 
It's all right. Take care of it. When the storm got a little rougher, they said, Jesus, is getting kind of rough in here. We're kind of worried about it. Here it looks like we're going down. Could you, we need some help. Maybe Jesus would have stopped, calmed it earlier. How often do we wait until we think it's too late? Oh, we may say a little prayer. Lord, I got a problem here. Give me a hand. But we're not looking for Him. We don't awaken Him, if you will. We don't come to Him and plead with Him and beseech Him and cry to Him until it's too late. The sooner we pray, the sooner the answer may come. They forgot to pray until they thought it was too late. In Luke 18, and we'll finish with this thought, we know the story. Jesus gives the parable about the unjust judge. The judge says he didn't care about God. He didn't care about, the, he just didn't care. He was just an unjust judge. But the widow woman kept coming to him. She said, avenge me of my adversaries. And he says, she just kept coming and just kept coming. And finally, the judge says, all right. He said, I don't fear God. I'm not worried. He says, but because she keeps coming and she's wearing me out, <laughs> I'll avenge her of her adversaries. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. Because the unjust judge says, because she keeps coming, I'll do it. Not because I like her, not because I care about her, not because I fear God, but just because she keeps coming. She's wearing me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with us? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. He said, if that unjust judge, just because they kept, she kept coming to him, finally gave in and says, all right, I'll take care of it. All right, I'll help you. All right. He said, if that unjust judge does it, how much more for God who loves his people, who saved his people, who's got the elect, how much more will he then respond? If that unjust judge will do it, how much more will I do it? He says, nevertheless... He said, in spite of that truth, we say, yes, if that unjust judge would do it, God who loves me, God who cares about me, God who wants the best for me, yes, he will avenge me, yes, he will care for me, yes, he will answer my prayer. We say that, he says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, in other words, when Jesus comes back, shall he find faith on the earth? Where's our faith? He said, if the unjust judge will do that, and we know God will do it, but where's our faith? Are we, in other words, he says, will anybody be praying? Will anybody be looking? Will anybody be seeking me? Jesus said to the centurion, great faith. He marveled. But he didn't walk with God much. He didn't sit with Jesus and have him teach him the parables. He hadn't seen too many miracles that we know of. Yet he had great faith. But the disciples, wow, just spent the day under his teaching. Just seen the miracles. Walked with him and talked with him. He said, why is it you, how is it you have no faith? Tonight, let's learn to remember. And let's not live no faith. No faith. Hey, trials are coming. Trials are here. I don't know what the pandemic's going to do. I don't know what the next pandemic's going to do. I don't know what the next variant's going to do. Let's have faith. Oh, but preacher, what if we lose our jobs? What if the economy craters? What if China takes over? All right, what if it does? Let's have faith. Let's have faith. Because he's the same. He's the same. Let's bow our heads, please.